Public records belong to the public. That's the spirit behind laws for access to government records. But in Colorado, case law has said the state's open records law doesn't cover the judicial branch. Overall, the courts have had a very big role in determining access to judicial records in Colorado. Do you think that level of transparency that you would advocate for is possible if the judiciary is the one making the rules about access to its own records? It's a good question. Um, and and uh, that's why we, we thought that the judicial branch should be subject to CORA. So what kinds of records are and aren't accessible to the public because of this unique framework for Colorado's courts? I talked to Jeff Roberts, executive director of the Colorado Freedom of Information Coalition. That's ahead on this episode of Hearsay. I'm Julia Cardi. Today I'm talking to Jeff Roberts, the executive director of the Colorado Freedom of Information Coalition. Um, the nonprofit pushes for government transparency by advocating for open courts and access to government records and meetings. Jeff, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. We're here to talk about transparency in Colorado's judicial branch specifically. I think this topic is an interesting topic for our legal audience because a lot of lawyers may not have a reason to think much about access to judicial records as a government transparency issue, even if they work in the court system through their jobs. Thinking civil litigators, lawyers who do criminal defense, probate and family law lawyers, you know, all of those types of law. And I say that because lawyers have more access to court records than the general public in a few different ways. In their own cases, of course, they'll have access to documents that otherwise might be sealed to the public, including journalists. And through their work, they're also likely to have access to a usually very expensive um, subscription service that tracks case law like LexisNexis or Westlaw. But I would think the history of the legal processes of how transparency in Colorado's judiciary has been set out is an interesting topic to lawyers. Um, the the courts themselves have had a very big role in determining access to judicial records in Colorado, which to me is a pretty meta concept. Administrative records of Colorado's judicial branch are not covered by the state's Open Records Act, and we will talk about why that is later. But first, I want to talk about what the exemption means practically. So what kinds of judicial records can the public not access as a result of Colorado's open records law not covering administrative records of the judiciary. Yeah, so the judicial branch um, established its own rules of access to administrative records. A few years ago, after a second, I believe a second appellate court ruling, Gleason versus Judicial Watch, uh, said that the judicial branch isn't covered by CORA, the Colorado Open Records Act. And, and uh, there was a whole process to, to promulgate this rule, which our organization weighed in on. And they ended up with a rule that is, in a lot of ways, very similar to CORA. But there are, you know, there's the, the main difference that we noticed of the, the rule that ultimately was adopted was how it pertained to the records of the of the personnel in in the judicial branch. So, if there is some sort of disciplinary investigation regarding uh, an employee, the, there's a presumption in CORA that once that investigation is complete and there are records about it, that you should be able to get those records to find out how a public employee at the state and local level of, of government performed on the job. And the same presumption isn't there in in the pair two for a, 
a judicial branch employee that's more explicitly mentioned in, in CORA and how CORA has been interpreted. So that is a concern to us, how, how that can play out necessarily. Um, we haven't had a lot of examples of that yet where, where we've had records denied on that basis, but, but or at least not ones I've, I've heard so much about. Um, the Denver Post did do some pretty important s- stories about about someone in in the judicial branch who who was disciplined for their I think their expense reports and then was hired back on a contract and I but I think that reporting was largely based on the severance agreement that came out of it so um, I don't know all the ins and outs of how how that story was was obtained but that's an example to me of of why those types of records should be available to journalists and the public. As recently as earlier this winter, a committee in the judicial branch in Colorado was considering a rule to set a consistent standard for blocking or limiting access to criminal case records. What's the status of that proposed rule right now? They have a proposed rule. The process was behind closed doors, so couldn't go watch it. At one point in the process, Steve Zansberg, our board president, was asked to make a presentation and he did that, although nobody could cover that and, and watch it. The journalists couldn't cover it. We've had to just kind of ask questions about how it's going. The proposed rule is out there. We haven't really evaluated it quite yet. Uh, we will be doing that and making comments about about how we, whether we think it does the job or not. What Steve has suggested is that Colorado adopt the ABA, the American Bar Association standard, which is really pretty simple in this regard, explain the countervailing interests, that type of thing. So we'll be looking at the proposed rule uh, as it compares to the ABA standard. And then it's my understanding that the Colorado Supreme Court will have some sort of public hearing or you know, process where, where people will be allowed to weigh in not only as in a, in a written way, but maybe uh, uh, verbally as well. My understanding traditionally has been sealing records tends to refer to specific records in a case and suppressing tends to refer to an entire case that for one reason or another has been made inaccessible to the public. So for example, if I went to the Supreme Court library and was looking in the the database of civil case filings, a suppressed case wouldn't even show up. It wouldn't even say, oh, you can't access this case. It just wouldn't even come up um, in in the records. And I think the nuance between sealing and suppressing is an interesting concept for our legal audience that they could appreciate. So what's your understanding of what the difference between those two terms is? I think it's it's uh, hard to know. Um, and if you look at the the rule that is is put out there the, uh, by the judicial branch and look at the definition of, of a sealed case and the definition of a suppressed case, they're very, very similar. And, and really, it means that the records are, are only um, available to the parties in the case and the court itself, the judge. If the public wants access to those records or a journalist wants access to the records, they have to file a a motion to to try to get access to that. Often when there is a dispute over whether records should be sealed, and that becomes a, a public concern, lawyers will argue about the standard to apply instead of knowing from the outset what the standard 
uh, to apply is. And there have been some cases like with the Planned Parenthood uh, shooting suspect and the and the release of the arrest affidavit in that case, where where that was that was something that was argued and 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 the uh, judge did not originally explain what standard was used to to keep that under seal for a while. I think it eventually came out. And so we've we've made that argument that there should be a standard, a uniform standard that can that everybody can understand that when these records are when records are sealed and suppressed that that um, the public has an understanding of why that needs to be done if there's some sort of countervailing interest against the public public's interest. Um, what Dave Magoya found that really brought this to the forefront were thousands of cases that were suppressed. So as you said, you couldn't e- you could go on the website and, and, and not even know that it existed. So why were entire cases suppressed? And what he found is that um, it didn't seem like there were good reasons for that, that maybe they're, they're, they were suppressed by a judge's order and, and the parties forgot about it and nobody ever brought it back up for review. You know, the overriding interest in all this is that the public needs to be able to monitor how the court system works. And when the records are hidden, it's harder to do that. A House bill this year requires the judicial branch to make opinions from the Colorado Court of Appeals and Supreme Court available online for free. As a reporter, I check those courts each week for new opinions that are posted online. So how would you explain what this new bill is changing about access to appellate court records? Yeah, and I had the same questions because you can go onto the judicial branch site and see all the the later, you know, the latest opinions from the Court of Appeals and the and the Colorado Supreme Court. But when I went to the hearing and I, I spoke a little bit to the, the bill sponsor, this is House Bill 1130, which is made it out of committee, and I think it's in appropriations right now because it has a, a price tag of about $97,000. For the public, at least, not if you have LexisNexis or Westlaw, the, the opinions only go back about 20 years that are on the website. And if you wanted to search Google Scholar for these opinions, they go back to 1950. But what I was told is that there are big gaps from, I think, um, 1980 to 1990-something, there's a lot that's not there. Um, Lawyers may not notice this because uh, they can search these cases on Westlaw or LexisNexis or some other paid fee service, but the public and journalists, if they want to go back and look for these cases, they're not necessarily there. And what the sponsor of the sponsors of this bill, and they're, they're, it's a bipartisan bill. It's, it's Matt Soper, who's a Republican, and Mike Wiseman, who's a Democrat. They want to have these um, appellate rulings available going back to statehood for free. So for the public, for journalists, for people who may, may do a pro se filing and they want to do this research, um, they, their feeling is that they should be able to get this, these records for free. You mentioned that creating some kind of a state system that would be similar to PACER, which is the system for accessing federal court records, which you can do online for a fee, creating a kind of PACER-adjacent system for state court records would be kind of a hopeful next step after making, you know, appellate court opinions 
online for free. So can you just talk a little bit about, you know, is there any kind of precedent or model for whether a kind of PACER-like system for Colorado's court records would cover both criminal and civil records? And, you know, another consideration is, is there a model for how much the judiciary should be able to charge? Yeah, so... You know, unless you have LexisNexis or Westlaw or something like that, if you want to look up criminal filings or civil filings um, on your laptop, there's not really a way to do that. And so, you know, you have co-courts, but that's really just the register of actions, and it can send you to the actual court to go look up cases. But in 2020, maybe we should have um, better access to the actual court records uh, on your laptop or on your desktop computer. And so that's what PACER allows for federal court records. We don't have something like that for state court records. Um, We've wondered if we could start with civil filings, maybe less redaction is required. It's easier to do. It's my understanding that the only place to do that, to look those up in the state right now, if you're not if you don't have access to Westlaw or, or, or LexisNexis or one of the other fee services, is at the Supreme Court Law Library in downtown Denver, which is, you know, I'm only a few blocks from there right now where my office is, so I go over there and, and do that. But most people, a lot of people around the state can't, don't have that access. If you're a, a journalist in Grand Junction or a member of the public in Grand Junction and you want to look up a Denver district court case, a civil filing, going to your the Mesa County District Court, I don't think you can look up a Denver case. So um, shouldn't we have uh, a lot more access to at least civil filings to start? Um, it seems like that would be easier. There was a former assistant attorney general who made a presentation to the Judicial Branch's Public Access Committee about four years ago. And he said, well, why don't we at least have these in public libraries? You know, have a a terminal in public libraries where anybody can go look up civil filings like you can at the Supreme Court Law Library. And the Public Access Committee kind of said, hmm, that sounds like an idea, but nothing's happened. I think these things take, like with the appellate court rulings, it, it probably takes legislators to say, let's make this a priority. Let's maybe spend a little bit of money on this because it would take some money, I imagine, to do it. And then maybe it gets going. The judicial branch is all for House Bill 1130, which is that appellate ruling bill. And I think it's because the legislature, um, assuming this get, you know, they decide to spend $97,000 on this and the the few thousand a year it would take to, to keep it going, that's what it takes. You know, if the judicial branch says, you know, uh, sees that the legislature is willing to put a little bit of money up there, then then they agree it's a priority and they'll do it. It would be nice if they the same type of thing happened for a PACER-like system for court records, you know, state court records in Colorado. Now, I know PACER has been criticized for the fees that it charges, so we want to be careful about about what the user is charged, I don't think it should be very much to, to be able to, to get these records on your laptop. That wraps up this episode of Hearsay. For a bonus session of Jeff and I discussing more of the history of Colorado's case law around judicial records access and legislative efforts to open up the branch, head over to our Patreon page, 
you can find it by searching for Law Week Colorado. I'm Julia Carty, and I'll see you all in April.